Happy Mother's Day to all of you. I want to thank you for joining us here at Valley Creek. And today is a special day because we are celebrating all of the moms in this place. And so whether you are here and you are a brand new mom or a grandmother, or maybe you're a single mom, or maybe you're a spiritual mom that invests in the life of others, or you are a woman that has been given the heart of a mother, to all the moms, I just want to say thank you for being who God has created you to be. Thank you for the countless ways that you love and serve your families. I just want you to know at Valley Creek, we love you so much. You are so valuable. And I want to remind you that whatever season you're in, that the Lord is not only with you, but he has equipped you for everything you need. And he has given you the exact wisdom you need to lead and love the children that are in your life. And so I'm just believing this is going to be your best Mother's Day yet. And so across all campuses, would you please join me in celebrating and honoring all the moms in this place? You see, I have not gotten any Mother's Day gifts yet, and I'm hoping when I get home I don't hear something like this. What could you possibly need for Mother's Day? His grace has given you everything you need, right? I mean, at Valley Creek, we always talk about that God's love is extravagant. He loves you, and you don't have to strive for that love or perform for that love. But I just hope when I get home, my kids don't say, we didn't get you a card or a flowers because there's no striving in Jesus, right? I mean, why face the crowds and shop when we can rest in the finished work of the cross? But it is going to be a good Mother's Day. And last week, we started a series called Guardrails, Keeping Your Life Out of the Ditch. And we are walking through the book of Proverbs, which is a book of guardrails. It is a book of wisdom. And I've noticed in studying for the message that every time wisdom is used, it's actually personified as a feminine trait. Have you noticed that? So they use the word wisdom, and then they say things like she and her. And so I'm just going to throw this out here and say that is not a coincidence, okay? <laughs> Woman and wisdom, they go hand in hand. And so if you are here today and you need some wisdom in your life, I want to tell you, just turn to the woman right next to you, and I'm sure she would be glad to give you some wisdom. Am I right, ladies? Because when we are living in our God-given design, we can always bring some heavenly perspective into earthly situations, because that is what wisdom does. And so if you weren't here last week, we started by defining a guardrail as a healthy boundary established by heavenly wisdom. And we said that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, we all need guardrails in our lives. That guardrails are not a sign of weakness, they are a sign of wisdom, that guardrails are not reactive, they are proactive, and that guardrails are something that you have to build before you need them. You see, guardrails are a good thing. And so today, I just want to continue on in this series, and I'm going to talk specifically about guardrails in your heart. And I'm going to give you four very specific guardrails, and since we just said that guardrails are something everybody needs, I want you to know this is not a message just for moms, this is a message for all of us. And so you think about Solomon, right? He was a wise man. He wrote the entire book of Proverbs. But in his heart, in what was not seen, he drifted. You see, because Solomon didn't have guardrails in his heart, his entire life ended up in the ditch. And so he teaches us that we need to have guardrails. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Another translation says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. This verse starts by saying that above all else, 
In other words, if you don't remember anything else from this message, remember to guard your heart. This verse is saying that your heart is everything, that the quality of your life is determined by the condition of your heart. And you see, that's why the enemy is always coming against our hearts. We think he's after our health or our family or our finances, and he may use those things, but really what he's trying to get to is your heart. He's trying to get to your beliefs. There's a battle there. And one practical way we can choose to engage in that battle is by partnering with God and having guardrails in our hearts. You know, the first time I remember having to put a guardrail in my life was moving into the dorm room. I was moving to Michigan, and I showed up on the first day, and I was partnered to share a room with someone that I could not have been more opposite from. And so we knew if we were going to make it through the school year, we would have to put some guardrails up. And so we just went ahead and got some duct tape, and we made a line (laughs) down the center of the room. Thankfully, we became friends. But it was an easy, identifiable way to say, that belongs to you. This belongs to me. You stay on that side of the room, I'll stay on this side of the room, okay? Country music can be played over there, and then real music can be played on this side of the room, okay? We, we had to put guardrails in place. And you see, it was easy because guardrails in the physical realm, you can see them with, their, with your eyes. They're easy to see. But it is much harder to put guardrails in our hearts because we're talking about the unseen. But if you wanna stay out of the ditch, if you wanna have a healthy heart, you've got to have guardrails. So I just wanna give you four practical guardrails today, and the first one is this, choose to be the gatekeeper. Okay, have you ever seen a gatekeeper before? No? Okay, neither have I, but let me just tell you that in biblical times, a gatekeeper had the most important job. They were the person who controlled who had access to the city, who would come in and who would stay out. And it was their ability to do their job that would impact the reality of the entire city and whether or not the city would flourish or fall. And the truth is that you are the gatekeeper of your heart. Not your spouse, not not your son, not your daughter, not the woman sitting next to you, the one with all that wisdom. It's you. And you see, your willingness to engage in that role will determine whether your heart will flourish or fall. It impacts the unseen. You know, this is a constant conversation around our house with our kids because as they're growing up, they're being exposed to more than they ever have before. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. And so we're just learning to have conversations about how do we discern and how do we be the gatekeeper. And it's just a good visual for them to think of that they have a gate over their heart and they get to be the ones that choose when it opens and when it closes. They decide. But you see, for most of us, I don't think we have guardrails in place in our hearts, in the unseen, and so we just kind of let the world come at us and we figure out, we'll just deal with it later. But we don't realize the impact that things are having on our hearts. You see, when we let something in and open the gates of our heart, it never just passes through. It always changes the condition of our hearts. So we have got to take inventory and use wisdom in what we want to let in. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, let that be the thing that comes into your heart. My truth, seeds of life that will grow and mature and produce fruit that will last, things that are going to make your heart healthy. And so sometimes it's just stopping and choosing to take inventory of what's coming into your heart. And so it's saying, like, what am I listening to? 
What kind of conversations am I hearing? What am I seeing with my eyes or reading or looking at? Or who am I spending time with? You know, we said last week that guardrails are designed to literally get you where you need to go. And so as the gatekeeper, it's asking, does this align with where I've been called to go and what I've been created to do? You know, does it bring my heart life and help me to grow? Or does it make my heart more critical and negative and keep me stuck? You know, I think a lot of times we ask others what we should let in, forgetting that God wants to speak to us. You see, being a gatekeeper is a guardrail in and of itself because it forces us to lean in and walk closely and listen to God. You know, if someone just stood here and gave you a list of exactly what to do and exactly what not to do, there would be no relationship required. And so how do we know what to let in our hearts and what to keep out? We ask the Holy Spirit who freely gives. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. The Bible calls him your counselor. That means he will give you the counsel that you need in your life. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build labor in vain, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards or the gatekeepers stay awake in vain. And so if you are being the gatekeeper of your heart, but you're not inviting the Lord in on that process, you're doing it in vain. The Bible says it's literally a waste of time. You see, when your flesh tells you to be in control and take control, that's when the spirit comes in to remind you that God is in control. So choose to partner with God and take inventory, and then choose to take authority as the gatekeeper. You see, the gatekeeper has been given authority, and that is you. So that means you never have to be a victim in life because God has empowered you to guard your heart. And so when my kids come home and they've had a bad day because somebody said something really mean and it hurt their hearts, I can look at my daughter and say, is that something you want to let in and take on as your identity? Or is that something we keep out and we instead bring the truth of God into our heart? So let's stop handing over authority for the condition of our hearts. So let me just ask you this question. What are you letting into your heart? Are you choosing to take inventory and take authority? The second guardrail to protect our hearts is this. Choose to grieve. You know, I honestly believe that many of our hearts are hurting or unhealthy, or maybe we're just kind of numb and checked out because we've never learned to grieve or respond to loss. I think of grief as processing loss or pain with God and then releasing it to him. You see, in other cultures, grieving is like an art form, okay? They take time to do it and they do it well, but for some reason here in our culture, we do not like grieving. We avoid sadness and pain at all costs, right? I mean, none of us like feeling sadness or pain, but we especially do not like our kids feeling pain or sadness or loss. And so instead of learning to navigate through that in a healthy way and teaching our kids to do the same, we just kind of skip right over that step. We just, we're not gonna do that. You're crying, here's a popsicle, okay? You're hurting, we'll buy something for you. We just think we can just jump over it, right? We live in a culture, how many of you heard things like, you, it's not okay to be sad. Like, you gotta keep moving, you're fine. <laughs> Maybe you grew up in an environment that said, you're gonna be okay, okay, don't even think about crying or I will give you something to cry about, <laughs> right? Or maybe even this one, choose joy without ever having acknowledged your loss or having been told that it's okay to grieve first. And you see, it's like we've just kind of skipped a step, but it's cost our hearts a whole lot. Because when you say no to grieving, you say no to healing. 
I mean, think about in the Bible, I was trying to think about what would be one of the hardest times for the disciples. Think about when Jesus died, how they must have felt, right? And we talk about that all the time in church, when Jesus was on the cross, right? We know that story. And then we talk all the time about resurrection, right? Hello, Easter, he is alive, he is risen, new life is here, there is joy. But the thing is, those two events did not happen back to back. There was a three-day period between death and resurrection, and so what was it that happened between death and resurrection? It was grief. You see, the people, they grieved, they wept, they didn't understand, and it was part of the process for them to feel that pain. You see, life was coming and resurrection was on the way, but there was a place in time for them to grieve, and it was the very thing that was leading them to life. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to grieve. The very shortest verse in the Bible is John 11:35, and it says, Jesus wept. The Bible also says that there is an appointed time to grieve. Ecclesiastes 3:1, it's Solomon that's saying, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. It goes on to say a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. You see, there's an order to it, and God wants us to make space in our lives for feeling loss because he knows that it's a guardrail that's gonna keep our hearts healthy because it's gonna be really hard to dance if you're unwilling to mourn. And so let's be people that are not afraid to grieve the hard things in our lives because the things in your life right now that are bringing you to tears are the very things that are designed to draw you closer to God's heart and draw you closer to his grace. You see, a couple weeks ago, my parents were in town and I was busy in the kitchen getting some things done and my dad was in the other room with my son and I heard a loud crash and looked out and I saw, saw that my son was hurt really bad. And I'm looking at him and he's trying to hold it together but I watched as my dad called out to him. He goes, Trey, come over here, buddy. He goes, ouch, that really looks like it hurt. He goes, you know, sometimes a good cry can help. Do you think you might need to cry? And just hearing that, it's like the tears came a-flowing. And he gave him a big hug and he comforted him and Trey cried and he was done with it. And my dad just looked at him for a second and he said, you know what I love about you, buddy? You have such a brave heart. You know why? He said, because you are tough when you need to be and you are tender when you need to be. That's who you are. Now go and play. And I remember the Lord saying to me in that moment, that is what I do for you. You see, when my dad saw my son get hurt, his natural response was to call out his name and show him compassion. You see, he acknowledged the pain. He was like, wow, that was a bad one. That really hurt. And because my dad's not a person that's afraid to feel loss or sadness, he said, you know what? Tears are okay. In fact, tears are a really good thing right now. And he comforted him and he held him and he reminded him of who he is. And then he sent him off to play. And I think how many times in life do we miss out on a whole fat facet of the goodness of God? of the comfort and the compassion of God when we're just unwilling to take our loss to him. But he's there and he's calling your name. You see, one of the guardrails we can have our hearts in our hearts is choosing to be a person that is not afraid of feeling loss or pain. So choosing to be countercultural. I mean, choosing to feel the grief and the loss so we can really experience the joy. Because the most truly joyful people you know in your life not superficial joy, because anybody can have that, 
but the most truly joyful people you know are people that have learned to grieve well. And it can be the big things or the little things. It might be, I didn't get that promotion. I didn't make that team. Or I was unable to have that child. Or this relationship is broken or changing and I don't like it. Or life just is not what I hoped it would be. It's choosing the guardrail of feeling that loss because that's where Jesus is. You see, he never skipped that step. So who told you that you had to? You see, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That means wherever you're hurting is where Jesus is near. And so I just wanna say this. Some of you here are here right now and you're like, I'm not sad, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got nothing to be sad about. I've never been sad. Okay, that's great, that's fine. But let me just ask you this. Are you ever angry? Because anger is a secondary emotion that's often rooted in sadness. You see, if you refuse to feel loss, your heart will harden because that will just turn into anger. And so if you are here and you find yourself mad a lot of the time, like that's the main emotion you feel is anger, there just might be something that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to grieve and to let go of. Because you see, our anger tries to protect us from feeling loss and sadness, but it does a really bad job of it. You know, my kids a few years back had this Hulk toy. It was like this stuffed animal. And anytime you would touch the thing, it would just go, you're making me angry, in the loudest voice. So we'd be trying to peacefully eat dinner, and this darn toy would roll off the couch, and it would go, you're making me angry. Oh my goodness, it was out of control. Literally, a breeze would blow through the front door, and just the hair on that stuffed animal Hulk toy would go, and once again, you're making me angry, Hulk smash. It was bad, okay? And I remember my daughter saying, Mom, I think he's angry because nobody taught him that it's okay to be sad sometimes, too. I was like, yes, Emma, that is, that's right, girl. But this toy was out of control. It was totally out of control. I think I actually tried to sell it at a garage sale, but I had to pay someone to take it off of our hands. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. In other words, an angry person is like a city without walls. They have no guardrails. They're totally out of control. And if you don't have any guardrails and you weren't taught to feel loss or pain, literally anything can make you mad. Anything will cause you to react. You'll be like that Hulk toy, just one touch and you will explode. You see, that's why God gave us the guardrail of choosing to grieve. Because he knows that you can't just stuff your emotions and feelings and have them go away, right? You guys know that we've said this before, but when you bury emotions, you bury them alive. And so if you bury sadness or pain, it doesn't go away, it eventually turns to anger and will harden your heart. You see, this whole idea of stuffing pain or handling things on your own, it's a learned behavior. <laughs> because if you ever watch a healthy, loved child fall or experience pain, the very first thing they do is look up to find their mom or dad and cry out to them. You see, God's not afraid of our grief. God invites us instead to have a guardrail of choosing to grieve. And it was so much easier the way my dad, in his wisdom, handled that situation with my son compared to how I, in my control, would have handled it. Because I would have told him to just shut it down, you're fine, let's keep going, we don't have time for that. And then I'd be confused when he stopped being his joyful and playful self. 
You see, I think in our quest to keep things together and in control and keep things convenient, we unintentionally tell ourselves and others that sadness is not okay. But you see, God has a much better way because he cares the most about your heart. And the very thing that my dad did for my son, I believe that he wants to do for many of you here today. I think God might want to say just to a certain area of your life, I'm so sorry that hurt you. I know that was painful and I see it and I care very deeply. It grieves me too. And even though you're trying to move on, I am not because I'm here today and I'm here to comfort you and remind you of who you are. You are my beloved son or my beloved daughter and you matter and I will always be with you. Now go and play and live life to the fullest. So the question I would just ask you today is this, do you grieve well? Is there an area of your life that God is inviting you to grieve? And I just wanna say one more thing. For some of you who are here and you have no problem grieving, but maybe you've been in that place for too long. You've almost made grief this monument, right? And it's kind of like it's become part of your identity. I think God would say to you, you don't have to stay there. Your best days are ahead because you see real grief leads to true growth. And that's where God's always taking us. And that brings us to the third guardrail to have a healthy heart. And it's this, choose to grow. So choose to be a gatekeeper, choose to grieve, and choose to grow, because no matter what is going on in your life, God has always given you the opportunity to grow, right? My daughter is always growing things at school, so she comes home with this little cup and seed and, and the dirt, and every day it's changing. So as soon as she wakes up in the morning, she runs downstairs, gets her ruler, measures the leaf, records the change, and it's like that thing looks nothing like it did the first day that she brought it home. And it should be the same with our hearts. Our hearts should be growing, growing in love and joy and wisdom and peace. We should look different every single day. I like to think about it this way. The fruits of the Spirit should be on the increase in our lives. Because in the kingdom of God, we are always called to increase, not to decrease. We are called to advance, not to retreat. We are called to go from victory to victory. And so we can't get to where we're going by staying exactly where we are. The Lord doesn't want us to stay stuck. He's inviting us to grow. And so that is the guardrail. It's choosing to grow and take next steps with Jesus, choosing to do what he asks you to do before it even comes your way. Even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see, trusting in the Lord implies that you're moving with him. It's a journey of growth. And this verse says that he is the one that makes the path straight. You are the one that takes next steps and chooses to grow. But I think we get those two flipped around. We spend all our life trying to make the path straight and trying to make the path straight for our kids. But while we're doing that, we stop moving. We're completely stuck. You see, the Bible says he gives the wisdom, he clears the path, he makes it straight. You choose to grow. You take next steps. You see, you won't always understand, you won't always be in control, but you can always choose to grow. And it's saying, I don't know what's, what the next step is, but I know who's going with me, so I am going to take it. So how do we grow? We grow with others. We've said this before, but growth happens in community, and if you wanna be the healthiest version of yourself, you've gotta be in community. It's God's design for your life. So it's asking yourself, are there godly relationships in my life? Are there people that are encouraging me to grow? 
Proverbs 25 says this, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. That means the most profound growth you will ever experience in your life happens in community. So we grow in community, and then we grow up. As the Holy Spirit counsels us, we should be growing up in our hearts, growing, changing, and maturing. Okay, what do I mean when I say grow up? Well, think about our bodies, right? If you see a brand new baby, and then you see that baby six months later, they look totally different, right? The growth is unbelievable. Well, in the same ways our bodies are growing, our hearts should be growing. They should be getting bigger, like growing in love, growing in peace, growing in generosity. And so imagine what would happen if your body kept growing, but your heart stayed exactly where it is, right? I think that's what happens to a lot of us when we don't have this guardrail in place. On our own, we kind of become like the Grinch with a heart that is three sizes too small. And although we're growing on the outside, on the inside, we're like a child. We're selfish and impatient and we have to have it our way. We are stuck in childish ways. First Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. You see, Jesus tells us to have a childlike heart, not a childish heart. And they are two very different things, right? Yes, be childlike. Don't lose your awe and wonder, but put away your childish ways and choose to grow in the Lord. You see, as you age, the natural way for your heart to grow is smaller, meaning to become more critical, more stingy, more cynical, more isolated. That's why when you meet someone who is old in body but mature and healthy in heart, it almost stops you in your tracks because there's this level of joy and love that's unstoppable. You can know that that is a person who has chosen to grow in their life. And that's who I wanna be. I wanna be like that. And every season, I wanna choose to grow in community and grow up in the Lord. And that's why at Valley Creek, the leaders are so passionate about taking your next steps. It's because they know that that is a guardrail in your life that will keep your heart healthy and that will cause you to grow. And so the question I would ask you is this, is there an area in your life that God is inviting you to grow? Is there a place that he might be asking you to take a next step? And the last guard rail for your heart, and you know it's gonna start with a G, right? Choose to be a gatekeeper, okay? Choose to grieve, choose to grow, and the last one is this, choose to receive his grace. You know, a few years ago, our family decided to go bowling, and since none of us are amazing bowlers, we decided to use the bumper lanes. And my daughter was just set on just, just knocking one pin down, just one. And so she went up there down the alley and she rolled that ball. And as soon as it left her hands, we knew it was headed straight for the gutter. It was a disaster. And so she turned around and tears are welling up in her eyes, just devastated. And as she's walking toward us, we are watching this ball miraculously ricochet, just perfectly off the bumper to, to place, put itself in place to land a perfect strike. And you know what I mean when I say miraculous, because if you've ever seen a child roll a bowling ball down, it's like going .025 miles an hour. It's like, no. And sure enough, she hits the perfect strike, and we go crazy, and she goes crazy. I think because the success was so unlikely, it made it a little bit sweeter. And as I was preparing for this message, I was brought back to that memory. And it's like the Lord reminded me, that's what God does in our lives. 
That's a picture of his grace. You see, he is the bumper of our lives. He takes our misplaced efforts, our mistakes, and he redirects our paths. He takes us, he keeps us out of the gutter because he guides us, and his grace is so extravagant that he can take a ball, like the one that Emma threw that was literally headed straight for the gutter, and cause it not only to get back on the path, but cause it to hit a perfect strike. That's who Jesus is. He is the bumper in your life, and it's his grace, and only his grace that can allow your heart to thrive. You see, when we do life on our own, we will end up in the gutter no matter how hard we try, but with Jesus, all things are possible. He is grace, and the guardrail for your life is choosing to receive that grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This says his grace is not only enough, it's more than enough. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that bowling without bumpers is like trying to walk through life without the grace of Jesus. And so if you wanna choose to perform and to strive, you are welcome to live in that lane of life. But Jesus has come to keep you out of the gutter. He has come to do what your efforts and your striving and your performance could never do. That is his grace. And the cool thing is that the guardrails in your life or the bounce back, it's meant to draw you back to him. It's meant to get you back on track, not to show you where you went wrong. That's grace. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and so it's not like you hit a guardrail to remind you of how off you are. You hit the guardrail to remind you of who you are. That's grace. And there is nothing that you can do that will cause you to get outside of his grace. The only thing you can choose to do is not step into that grace. And so be a person that chooses to receive the grace of Jesus. And so let me just ask you this question. Are you receiving his grace today? Or is there a place in your life, a very specific place that he just wants to make you more aware of his grace? And so wherever you are on Mother's Day today, I want you to know that God has given you the guardrails for your heart so that you can live the life of an overcomer. But the choice is yours. So choose to have a healthy heart. Choose to be a gatekeeper. Choose to grieve and choose to grow and choose to receive the grace that he so freely gives to you. Because Solomon said, talking to himself, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. So above all other guardrails in our lives, let's be people that choose to put guardrails in our hearts so that we can live whole and live free. So would you close your eyes for a minute so we can pray together. Lord, I just thank you so much for each person in this room. I thank you that you love them and that you are here with them. And Father, I thank you that you have given us guardrails to put into our hearts because you love us and you want us to thrive. So Father, I just ask that you would illuminate this message to each one of us wherever we need to hear it. Lord, that you would help us to be people that that are gatekeepers, to be people that grieve well, that choose to to grow and that receive your grace. We love you, God, and we thank you for who you are in our lives. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Amen.